morning and welcome to Wavemakers with Janet and Tom, a weekly conversation on WMNF Tampa with people making a difference in the Tampa Bay region. I'm Janet. And I'm Tom. And answering the phones for us today is the bearded John Dunn. If you want to join our conversation today, you can call us at 813-239-9663 or send an email to dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813 813- Four three three zero eight eight five. Today's guest has been making waves since the 2016 election. That's when Ben Diamond was elected to represent portions of Pinellas County, including St. Petersburg, in the Florida House of Representatives. His committee assignments there included um, committees covering civil justice, appropriations, um, the judiciary, and the environment. Um, prior to that, as a uh, general counsel to former CEO Alex Sink, he helped navigate the response to the Great Recession and the BP oil spill. He was born in Clearwater and now lives in St. Petersburg. Representative Diamond, thanks for being with us today. Great to be with both of you. Thanks. Thanks for being here. Um, Representative Diamond is here with us just 112 days before the November 8th general election this midterm year. The stakes in this election, let's face it, are incredibly high. With Democrats hoping to hold on to the majority in both the House and the Senate, and Republicans aiming to take control of both chambers. Florida will play a pivotal role in that. Sunshine State gained a congressional seat based on the latest census numbers, and Florida's Republican Governor Ron DeSantis pushed through a new congressional maps for the state that all but guarantees adding four new Republicans to the U.S. House of Representatives. The website 538 said this about Florida's congressional maps. This is about as big of a Republican bias that Florida's congressional map could have and darn close to the most egregiously partisan map in the country. Meanwhile, the U.S. Supreme Court has made decisions in recent months that gives increasing power to state governments. They're set to hear a case on North Carolina voting laws that could have a seismic effect on the nation's electoral process, allowing state legislatures to set new rules, regulations, and districts on federal elections with few checks and balances. This could create a chaotic system with different rules throughout the country and potentially allow states to pick electors in conflict with voter wishes. I was at the Leadership Blue Conference on Saturday downtown and there was um, a lot of talk about how this there's there's a huge threat to our democracy and how important these these midterm elections are that are coming up and again in November in terms of just really maintaining American democracy as we know it today let's start by talking about the redistricting process and how we ended up here and how it affected you Ben it's something that happens every 10 years in conjunction with the US census in Florida The legislature, led by Senate President Wilton Simpson, approved some fairly straightforward maps, but those were rejected by Governor Ron DeSantis, and he drew maps that gave the Republicans a big advantage in Florida. After these maps were approved, Ben, you dropped out of the race for Congressional District 13, the seat Charlie Crist is leaving to run for governor. Tell us what happened there and what it means for Floridians and the country. Yeah, well, what happened is really disappointing, and the the big losers have been the voters in our state. You know, we have a provision in our state constitution, Tom, that Floridians overwhelmingly supported in 2010, which is the Fair Districts Amendment, which basically says that every 10 years when the legislature meets to draw the districts, they are required to make sure that the district lines are not drawn to favor one political party or the other, and that the districts are contiguous, they respect 
existing municipal boundaries, existing geographic boundaries. And all of that was ignored by Governor DeSantis in a big power play to pack as many uh, Republican seats as he could into the state. And the, the real problem with that, what's so egregious, is that the gerrymandering now has become so sophisticated with the use of data mm-hmm. and technology and map drawing programming that the voters don't really get a choice, that the, the districts are rigged from the outset. And it's illegal, it's wrong, and the districts are being challenged in court. I think ultimately um, the districts are going to be thrown out and the legislature is going to have to do it over. But This would um, be thrown out by the Florida Supreme but Court, That's correct? correct. I mean, ultimately it's going to be a question for the uh, Florida Supreme Court. But, I mean, I ran for Congress because I wanted to continue my public service in Pinellas County, which is my home. It's where I, as you said, Janet, it's where I grew up and where my I'm raising my family now. And um, basically what they did in Tampa Bay, and people are just beginning to learn about this, is they drew a line right down the middle of St. Petersburg on 34th Street. And everybody like me who lives east of 34th Street in St. Petersburg has been drawn in across Tampa Bay into the Tampa based district. Oh, I didn't realize they split St. Pete in half. So they, so they have done two things that appear on the, on the face of it to be uh, uh, unconstitutional uh, in Florida. They have divided a city, they have re- not respected the municipal boundaries, and they've thrown in part of Tampa to be with St. Pete, so it's not, it's not even continuing. How, how are they making that positive? So is, is there a land? Uh, uh, Just to clarify, though, that, that what they did is that they rolled about half of St. Pete into Kathy Castor's district. That's right. So crossing a bay. So Kathy Castor, who previously, uh, her, her district was all in Hillsborough County. Now, I, I believe it was. That's right. And, you know, they tried this once before yep. in 2010, and the Florida Supreme Court threw it out, and they they're basically ignored that precedent and said, well, we don't care. We're going to do it again because it's a way of packing the, Democrat, the Democratic precincts in St. Pete in with Kathy's district, which is a predominantly Tampa district. And it turns Congressional District 13, which I was running for, into an overwhelmingly Republican district. And, you know, that, that's really... It's like they sacrificed Kathy's seat to say, we're going to guarantee ourselves we always get CD 13. Well, 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 and that's really what's troubling about it. I mean, there's so much that's wrong with what they did, but what's troubling about it to me is, you know, having grown up in Pinellas and represented our community now for six years in the Florida legislature, Pinellas is narrowly split between Republicans and Democrats, and voters have a long history of electing centrist candidates from both parties in competitive races that can work to get things done for Pinellas County. Going back to when Bill Young was elected to Congress. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, same thing with our current congressman, Charlie Crist. And, you know, the aggressive, egregious gerrymandering, like what the governor did here with his legislative cronies, um, it adds to the growing polarization in our Congress that people are so sick of. Mm -hmm. And why, why has this case not been taken up by the Supreme Court? Why is it not going to be decided until after the election? Well, I, I think it was intentionally um, 
done late in the process by the governor and the legislative leadership. You know, the governor, as you said in your introduction, Tom, vetoed the maps that we initially passed. We meet early during a redistricting year so that the new district is set in time for the election. Uh, The governor vetoed that map that we had passed that did not split Tampa Bay, you know, the way this one currently does. And and instead called us back for a special session. That special session didn't happen until weeks after we had adjourned. And so I think the whole thing was sort of intentionally delayed so that it would be very hard to mount a legal challenge in time for the 2022 midterm, which was the whole idea. I mean, look, we have a governor now in Ron DeSantis who is more focused on how he can get to the White House than what is in the best interest of Floridians. And we have real problems in this state that need addressing. How does that, though, help his run for president? Well, I think, look, this whole thing, in my mind, I think it's all going to come out, but I think it was cooked up by the governor, by his political team, with the help of probably folks in D.C., you know, so that he can make the argument, look, I delivered all these Republican uh, members of Congress from, from the state of Florida, from my state, and now running for president, and I think that will be, you know, I, I think that's wrong. I think the voters should decide who represents them. The representatives shouldn't get to pick their voters. Mm-hmm. We've got I, I, we've got Jerry and St. Pete is on the line, and I'm going to get to you in a minute, Jerry. First, I want to read this email that we have from David Bryant. David, who's one of our regular um, listeners, um, we always love hearing from you, David. And he asked this question about the redistricting. Why didn't the Florida legislature have the balls to override DeSantis's veto of the original map? DeSantis has a win-at-any-cost attitude that reminds me of Donald Trump. It's time to vote DeSantis out of office. So Tom keeps we, we're talking about that. How is it that DeSantis ended up with so much power that they had these reasonable maps, he threw them out, and they just the legislature just gave it to him? And I will just add that to him. Uh, I'm president of the Tampa Tiger Bay Club, and we had Wilton Simpson speak to us late last year, and he was asked specifically, how are you going to, are you going to draw maps that are fair? And he said, I'm going to follow the Supreme Court rulings. Yeah. And the, the maps that the Senate produced, it seemed acceptable to Democrats, it seemed acceptable to Republicans, they passed it, but it, so to Janet's point. Yeah, well, to David's point, what do you think, Ben? Why, why didn't they yeah. override it? Why they had the why? votes to override it. Well, I mean, he, he's exactly right. David, the, who wrote you that email, is exactly right. You know, part of what's broken down now in Tallahassee is a willingness of the leadership in the legislature to act independently as a separate branch of government to push back on the governor. And we saw this sort of starting to happen in a really scary way during the pandemic. You know, the state constitution says the legislature writes the budget and you had the governor out there spending money willy nilly and the legislative leadership just sort of threw up their hands and said, you know what, you go ahead, governor, you you do that, we're okay with it. The, the legislature didn't want to come back into a special session so that we could be a part of the response that was needed from the state. And in issue after issue after issue, you have seen the leadership in the legislature, just those leaders just basically bow down to kiss the ring. And that is really troubling. Is that always the case, or is it just because of this governor and this legislature? I mean, I, DeSantis is very powerful in the state and in the country. I mean, obviously, if you had a Republican majority and a Democratic governor, that wouldn't be the case. So is it a particular dynamic of 
these leaders? Well, I think that Tallahassee is really broken right now. And I think that this is one aspect of it. We have a failure on the part of the legislature to stand up against the governor on issue after issue after issue. Um, We have too much corporate money that is controlling the legislative process. And we need more independent-minded people to be willing to serve in the legislature and to speak up and to do what's best for their constituents and do what's what they think is best. Too many people in there are basically just, you know, following their king. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you think and, that, that, that they went along with this partly because they were worried that he was going to veto all of their very special pet projects that they had stuffed into the budget? Well, there was some of that. And there's also the fact that the governor was willing and is willing to inject himself in these legislative races, which is a, a new thing. In other words, you have... You in know, primaries. He's in primaries. Yeah. And, you know, he will, if you vote against his plan because you think it is illegal, because it is egregious mm-hmm. and illegal on its face, he will be involved in trying to take you out. And this is a little bit of the problem we have in the sort of post-Trump era of modern politics is that we have too many people serving in elected office who are willing to compromise what they know is right, what they know is um, the right thing to do um, in order to um, save their hide (laughs) and get reelected. And you know, and, and, part, and so part of what of, we need now is people, you know, in both parties, but this is a particular problem in the modern Republican Party in the way they've all bowed down to Trump. And now you have in state politics in Florida, everybody bowing down to Ron DeSantis. You know, there's an unwillingness to stand up for what you think is right and take a principled stand on. And of course, I'm a Democrat. I'm a lifelong Democrat. And I have a different set of ideas and philosophies and things I think we need to be working on. But But where are the principled conservative Republicans that will say, you know what, I took an oath to follow the Constitution. My oath is to do what's in Floridians' best interest as expressed in our governing documents. Well, actually, what we're seeing around the country is what's happening to those people is that they're losing in primaries. (laughs) That's what's happening. And they're so afraid afraid (laughs) of losing that they forget that they took an oath that they work for us, the people. Well, another dynamic of the legislature that I wonder is working into to the governor's advantage is the top-down approach to running the legislature. I'm old enough to remember when legislative chairs actually had power and could determine what could go on the floor and what couldn't go on the floor. But now it seems everything is driven by the, either the Senate president or the Speaker of the House. Am I wrong on that perception? Well, you're, you're, you're right on the money, except that now really... Everything's being driven by the governor's Everything's office. Good. And again, and, and, I, 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 I wonder how much of that is about his personality and who he is and what a strong figure he yeah, is. Yeah, and you're right about that. I mean, a lot of it, too, goes to the way the institutions and the legislature has changed, the personalities have changed. I mean, when I started out in state government working as a young lawyer for Alex Zink, when she was our state CFO, the Senate would reject things often that the governor wanted because you had independent, long-time serving members of the Florida Senate, people like the late Senator Jim King, who was a Republican from Jacksonville, and others who would stand up and say, guys, we're just not going to do this. And where is that sort of independent thinking now? Where are the people that are standing up on behalf of Floridians? 
If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Wavemakers on WMNF with Janet and Tom. And our guest today is um, Representative Ben Diamond. And we're talking about the high stakes and the upcoming midterm elections and the threat to our democracy that we're facing. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org. Um, and again, that number is 813-239-9663. And what do you think about is Tallahassee broken? Is Governor DeSantis too strong of a voice in our state? Do we need people in Tallahassee who will stand up to him? We want to know what you think. Um, Jerry um, in St. Pete, thanks for, for holding. You're on the line. Um, what's on your mind? Okay, well, Ben, thanks a lot, and thank you for taking my call here. Um, I think you, you guys are doing a great job. So, um, Ben, can you just describe to the public on what the options are of developing a, a third or alternate parties. I mean, there used, I think there used to be an independent party. There used to be a green party. What, what steps are required constitutionally to develop a third or more party to mediate between, it doesn't have to be, to my understanding, A or B. It doesn't have to be Democrat, Republican. And if, if I'm not mistaken, the former president ran as something other than a Democrat or Republican prior to running as a Republican. So can you explain how you develop a, a third or more parties to maybe remedy this um, challenge that we have currently? Thanks well, for the call, Jerry. Yeah, thank You're you, welcome. Jerry. I mean, it's a question I'm getting more and more often. More and more people, not just in our state, but around the country are not affiliating with either political party. About, mm -hmm. a, about 30% of Florida voters are registered as non-party as No party affiliation. No party affiliation. Yeah. Thank you. And it's an even larger per percentage of my constituents. And so I think what people are looking for are people who are going to be um, independent-minded, at least in Pinellas County, are, and are going to try to work to get things done for their constituents. And um, what... What may happen in the future with the rise of third parties in this country? I don't know. I think we may be ripe to see it. I mean, I don't of, know. We haven't had any progress on it, even Florida in less makes difficult it, times. Uh, yeah, you know, Florida makes it very difficult for a third again, party. Again, the to system is set up against actually allowing any other yeah. party to have any sort of prominence it in this like country. That's one issue the two parties will agree on is they'll do everything they can to prevent yeah. a third party from getting a, a foothold. I mean, I think there's a lot of political reform that is needed to fix what's broken in our politics. I think a key part of it comes to how we draw these districts. You know, if you draw the districts where you have competitive races, competitive legislative districts, then you are going to have more candidates that are going to be coming to persuade voters to support them. They're going to be speaking to those MPA voters. Um, by, by rigging these districts the way that this governor has done, the way the legislature did 10 years ago before that, you end up with the extremists mm -hmm. that make people like Jerry say, well, I'm sick of both of these parties. Well, and, so one, uh, the only alternative now for someone like Jerry is to register as an NPA. Then you're not. Then you can't vote in your primary. But then you primaries. can't vote in the primary, right? Yeah, that's right. And you know, there was an attempt, uh, I believe, two years ago to fix that with this open primaries amendment, and that was defeated in large part by significant corporate interests in Tallahassee that don't want to change the status quo. 
Um, and I just, as we're having this conversation, just want to remind everybody that the primary election is August 23rd and the deadline to register for that primary is July 25th. Now, if so, the Supreme Court uh, uh, rules, uh, uh, if you lose that Supreme Court case and they say, oh, that congressional map was just fine, what about uh, taking the next step in drawing districts and creating an independent commission? Because as long as the legislature is in charge, whichever party controls the legislature is going to do everything in its power to draw districts that benefit them. So what do you think about having, is that even possible to have an independent, I think in Pennsylvania they did that this year, and for the first time they had you know, uh, maps that court said looks good. I think it's a great idea. I just participated in a uh, discussion with a political scientist last week at Tom Below Books, which is the independent bookstore in St. Pete. I'd like to give a shout out to them. It's a great bookstore oh, yeah. in my hometown. Um, but they had me uh, host a conversation with a political scientist, um, a guy named Nick Seabrook, who has a great book out on this called One Person, One Vote. And basically, that's the answer. I mean, the states that have an independent citizen-led redistricting commission to draw these districts are getting districts that are competitive. And the states where, you know, the fox is guarding the hen house, mm-hmm. like in Florida, particularly right now, given what's going on with our politics and Ron DeSantis running for president, you know, we're getting these really egregious, screwed-up districts. So I think we need to use the citizen initiative process to change our state constitution like we did with the Fair Districts Amendment. You know, we've already tried this once and expressed what we want. The problem is the legislature just ignores it. So this would be a citizens-driven petition to use a nonpartisan um, uh, or bipartisan independent council to draw our district. That's right. I mean, is there an effort to do that? Is there somebody going to make that happen? I'm starting to work on it. You're starting to work on it. Okay, excellent. I mean, I think that, you know... Well, did they this, also make rules that make it harder to... Um, you have to get a lot of signatures for that and a lot of votes. Year, every <laughs> year that I've served on the House Judiciary Committee, I have heard a bill every year um, driven by the Florida Chamber and the corporate special interests that want to, you know control everything mm-hmm. that happens in Tallahassee to try to make it harder for us as Floridians to have a say as to what is in our governing document, our state constitution. Right. I mean, I think conservatives in general, they seem to have, the Republicans have a desire when they're passing laws to pass laws that will allow them to hang on to their power, whether it's about how districts are drawn or whether it's about, and maybe not in Florida so much, but in other places, making it more difficult to vote because the more people that vote, the, the less likely they are to win. Yeah, and, and behind all this really are the big corporate interests, you know, the, the top, the top, corporate CEOs that want to continue to be able to basically write Florida law, control the regulatory environment, you know, and 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 that's what they've been able to do. They've been able to, you know, basically write the bill, hand it to the members, the members are filing it, and the bills are passing. And, you know, we have to reassert ourselves in this process as, as Floridians, mm-hmm. as citizens, and that's going to require some real political reform to get that done. How far are you in this process? Is this just something you're talking about? Is it an, a, a, an initiative that people can get involved in? Well, these citizen initiative projects take a long time. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about putting together a statewide campaign. So, I mean, we're just 
I mean, unfortunately, we're only a month or so off of having suspended our effort to run for Congress and having the rug pulled out from under mm-hmm. us. I mean, and so we're in the research, research phase of well, what we'll we need to that. do. Research phase. Well, we'll follow that. We'll love to have you back on sometime when you're, we can talk in more detail about that. Um, again, if you're just tuning in, this is Wavemakers on WMNF, and we're talking to Representative Ben Diamond about the midterm elections, um, gerrymandering, and threats toward democracy. Um, we'll be right back. Let's take a moment for um, a station promotion. I'm Shelley Reback, your host for Midpoint, your midweek, mid-morning source for news and public affairs with a local Florida and Tampa Bay perspective. Tune in every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. to WMNF Radio 88.5 FM or stream us worldwide at WMNF.org or listen on the WMNF app and subscribe to our WMNF Midpoint podcast. You're listening to community-sponsored, commercial-free radio, WMNF. We're powered by volunteers like me and listeners like you who support the station. You can show your support by going to WMNF.org and hitting the tip jar to make a donation. We are speaking today on Wavemakers with Janet and Tom with Florida House Representative Ben Diamond. And we're talking about all that's at stake the upcoming midterm elections. If you want to join the conversation, you can give us a call, 813-239-9663. Send us an email at dj at wmnf.org. We do have a couple of um, texts and emails. I just want to give, we got a little bit of fan mail for you, Representative Diamond, um, from David. Says, one thing I like about Ben is he doesn't talk like a politician. He's a straight talker, and I like it. And then Bubba. Bubba says, DeSantis always has pithy statements on his podium during his nearly daily pressers. Who's paying for these lame campaign pressers? Are we as taxpayers paying for them? And the answer to that, Bubba, is 100% yes. We do pay for those press conferences. And Um, we also pay for a press secretary to tweet out politically oriented uh, nasty ugh. tweets about Democrats. It's, I've never seen anything like it. And, and this is a comment um, from Will Greaves um, in, in Temple Terrace um, about the Citizens Initiative. I love the Citizens Initiative idea and theory, but it's really hard to not feel worn out with these efforts. After every time we have done one, it gets to Tallahassee and they proceed to mess it up and add all kinds of stuff and hold it up like the felon voting <laughs> initiative. I look at examples like Amendment 4, there we go, and medical marijuana. What gives you faith, faith that this time will be different. Thank you for your service and for this informative uh, conversation. Well, that's a great question, and he's exactly right. And it is hard not to be discouraged. You know, I got involved. I've always been passionate about protecting Florida's environment um, as somebody who was born and raised here. And um, I worked on a citizen initiative project in 2014 before I decided to run for office, it was called the Land and Water Legacy Amendment. Mm-hmm. And I did the legal work for that campaign pro bono. And basically, you know, what that amendment says is we're going to protect, uh, we're going to create a dedicated source of revenue to protect Florida's land and water. Mm-hmm. And what a great idea. Mm-hmm. And it passed with overwhelming support from Republicans, MPAs, Democrats. And then in 2015, the legislature comes in and just basically ignores what's in that provision and says we're going to take that money and use it for other purposes. And so I think what I'm talking about is the need for us to do further political reform through the citizen initiative process so that we can have more competitive legislative districts so that we can elect 
different types of people to the Florida legislature, because until we get a legislature that's actually responsive and accountable to us, to, to the people, mm-hmm. we're going to continue to have these challenges. We have minority rule right now. In the country. In the country and in Florida. I mean, right. Florida is basically a, it's a divided state. <clears throat> but you wouldn't know it by looking at the Florida legislature. Government in Florida has been controlled by Republicans for 20 years, and they're not going to give up power easily. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think, you know, part of the part of this is is work we have to do as Democrats. I mean, we have to we have to field strong candidates. We have to do a better job organizing. We have to get out there um and earn people's votes. But part of this is the gross political power grab games that the majority party is playing that are undemocratic that are designed to rig the outcome of elections before they even happen. I want to um, get to a couple of our listeners. So um, this is an email from DeMarco, and he says, um, we will not be subjected to the tyranny of the minority. Just what you were saying, Tom, we're not going to take it. Tallahassee was broken before Ron DeSantis. The only good Republican in Florida that I know of is know of Mike Fasano was always on the side of the little guy and gal. It wasn't a lie. After he opposed privatization of Florida state prisons, he was unceremoniously unceremon- removed from the state house and sent back to Pasco County to be tax collector because he was such a troublemaker in Tallahassee. And that's Greg. And yeah, I mean, that's, I think, what we're saying. We've got this... Trump did not win the um, popular vote um, when he was first time when he was elected to office. Um, and again, what we have is polls over and over again show that people support generally um, the right to choose. They support gun control. Uh, say not gun control, but gun regulations. Gun, gun safety. Gun safety. Regula- common sense gun safety. Gun, gun regulations. And yet, um, it's not anything that our lawmakers are passing because everybody is so afraid of that that far right wing of the Republican Party that somehow seems to have gotten but a the, stranglehold on our on our um, government. He's absolutely right about people like Mike Fasano, and we're seeing it play out again this year with Jeff Brandis. Right. Exactly. Yeah, the moder- as you said, you said, what, what, where are the Republicans that stand by their values? Where are they? They're gone. They can't get reelected. You serve with <laughs> Jeff Brandis in the Pinellas delegation, and he was always considered, I mean, a, he's, he's a conservative. There's no way you can, mm-hmm. you can consider his voting record as being anything other than conservative. But he, he, was, he was in the doghouse this year, right? And, and yet he was the one that forced the special session on uh, homeowners insurance, right? Well, I think you're getting at a really important point, which is that, you know, Florida families are facing some real challenges. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll tell you in St. Petersburg that the crisis we have with affordable housing is, I mean, we are in an emergency situation Mm -hmm. in the fact that people can no longer afford to live where they're working. And they're working people. I mean, they're the nurses at Johns Hopkins All Children's. They're the teachers in our public schools. They're my friends at St. Pete Fire Department. And part of that does have to do with things like the crisis we're in with our property insurance. We have an epidemic of gun violence right Mm -hmm. now going on in this country, not just with mass shootings, but with shootings every day on the streets in our cities. And instead of working on these problems that are real problems facing our families and our communities, we are up there debating Ron DeSantis's um, press campaign bills that are designed to divide Floridians 
and get him on Fox like, News. Like, don't say gay. Yes, and it's outrageous. It's outrageous because we have real problems facing the state, which is why I think the most important thing we need to be working on is defeating this governor in November and electing a new governor for our state, one that is not at, out to divide and conquer and just score headlines, but one that actually wants to work on the real problems facing our communities. So speaking of that, who are you supporting in the Democratic primary? So I'm 100% behind Governor Charlie Crist. I mean, he, is, he has been a great leader uh, for our community in Pinellas County for a while. I thought he was a very good governor when he was governor before, and he was a Republican and I was a Democrat. I was a young lawyer working in Tallahassee for Alex Singh. I would go to every cabinet meeting And I saw him really listening to the people who came to speak. He restored a lot of voting rights to felons. He restored voting rights to felons. He made diverse judicial appointments. He vetoed the efforts to hurt uh, Florida school teachers. And, And he has a record of service to our community in Pinellas that I think is unmatched. And knowing him personally and knowing his commitment to trying to do what's right for Floridians, I en- not only did I endorse him, I spoke at his very first rally when he mm-hmm. announced that he was running because I was so excited. Um, and I think he's got the best shot of beating Ron DeSantis. And I do think Ron DeSantis can be beaten. You know, a lot of the conventional wisdom is people just sort of throwing up their hands and saying, oh, there's no way. But, you know, he is he's running a game plan to divide the state. And he's not actually working on the problems that we're facing. And I think voters are beginning to realize it. I really do. Let's play. Um, I've got a clip from Charlie Chris spoke um, at the uh, Hispanic Democratic Caucus, just Democratic Hispanic Caucus um, meeting at the Leadership Blue Conference over the weekend. And he talked a little bit about what the stakes are. Forgive the quality of the sound, but um, hopefully you can hear what he's saying. But it's in all seriousness, and this is very serious. I'm a Democrat running to protect democracy. I'm running against a guy in the Sanders who's an autocrat wanting to be a dictator. I mean, look at what he's done. I can't believe it. He, he tries to tell school boards what to do, so he's going to go longer than he wants. So he was saying, I am running to protect democracy. That's what's at stake in this in, in these elections that we have coming up. I mean, we really could get to the point, again, where it depends on what the Supreme Court does, where state elections, state uh, governments have so much power, um, and then because of the Supreme Court, but then also up in um, Washington, D.C., uh, that we get more and more state national laws that are about... Um, uh, Abortion or on on gun regulations and and voting, how we vote. I mean, I find that to be really scary. Are these issues going to drive Democrats to the polls? Yeah, I think they will. I think they because will. Because you get and, guns, and, and, abortion. And, yeah, and the, the other and the democracy. Other, the other thing, Tom, is that you know the Republican Party is nominating the most extreme right. candidates in all of these races. So, I mean, you look at the people that they're running around the country for the U.S. Senate. You look at what Ron DeSantis stands for, which is basically trying to divide Floridians and make us afraid of each other and distract from the fact that there's not any real effort up there to work on problems facing Florida families. 
And I think that there is a an opportunity for Democrats to run smart, disciplined campaigns that focus on listening to the people that we want to serve. I think all the Republicans running in uh, the, the, for the congressional seat you were running for, uh, Congressional District 13, are uh, Trumpers who don't believe that Joe Biden was legitimately elected. Am I wrong there? You know these candidates. Yeah, well, they're, 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 uh, I'd love love to hear what they would say on, you know, in response to those questions. And, you know, it's so upsetting to me because I think they are so out of step with our community, which are, are looking for people that will, that will serve us and be problem solvers and put the people first. And they've got a slate of candidates running on the other side that they've again they've rigged the thing so that 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 you know to get a really extreme person in there and it's not good for our community. Well who what democrat would you support in that race? Well right now there's a there's only one democrat in the race, you know, but the problem is it's not a real race when it's gerrymandered. It is rigged from the get-go. And and that's my point is that voters deserve to select Who's representing them? It shouldn't be the politicians making these calls behind in the smoky rooms behind closed doors. Let's take another call. We've got Bill calling all the way from Brooksville. He's been on hold for a while. Bill, you're on the line. What's on your mind? Um, yeah, up here in Hernando, at least Pasco County, the uh, the political people are trying to get moderate Republicans elected, and so I'm a, I'm one of them that's going to go down and register as a Republican by next Monday. And uh, they seem to think that that's the way to go right now. I'm hoping that some of these thousands of people coming down from up north are at least progressive. And maybe we'll get something going. But you go to some of these Republican meetings and they're talking about anti-vaccine and things like that. And uh, Whitwer and Zimmer are two of the people that I guess they're supporting. And just trying to get Republicans in there to start something rolling, whereas we're not totally, you know. Well, that that's, yeah, interesting, Bill. I appreciate the phone call. There is some of a, a, a differing philosophy, which is go ahead and vote for the extreme ones, and maybe you will um, you go, vote for the extreme Republicans because they are going to be uh, weaker against a, a reasonable or moderate Democrat. I I have heard that expressed before. I don't agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that was the, the speaker at the at the uh, Leadership Blue Conference, Prisker from Governor Prisker from Illinois, actually had that approach. Well, thanks I, for the call, Bill. I appreciate hit that call. You know, I I have had many colleagues that I have worked with successfully in the legislature over the years in the Republican Party. You have to f- seek out people that are like Bill was talking about that want to work with you in good faith to get things done. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud of that. I'm proud of the fact that I've been able, every session I've been up there, to pass legislation to help our seniors, to help veterans, you know, to work on child safety issues. And you do that by trying to find somebody like the caller's talking about. They may come from a different political party than you. They may have a different set of philosophies that they think about when they think about problems, but they're willing to, you know, 
work with you on common sense solutions to problems in a bipartisan way. That is totally breaking down now in our mm-hmm. politics by this sort of extremism that you're talking about. Um, I'm going to play another um, clip from um, an interview uh, that I did at the um, Leadership Blue Conference. This is John um, Mondahano, and he's somebody who's very active in the um, Pinellas County Democratic Party. This is a critical uh, election because it sets the stage for the next two years. And uh, when we hand over rights to the states more and more, as opposed to having a, a consensus across the country, our rights are limited to how far we can trap. And that's not America. We want to see uh, laws that are passed on a federal level that protects rights for everyone. That's the type of, uh, of democracy that we want to see in this country. And you know, I find that to be interesting because he's talking about all the power given to the states. You started off talking about how Tallahassee is broken. And so if we have a Supreme Court that is increasingly turning over power to the states, do we want the power in the hands of a broken institution in, in Florida? Well, I mean, what's happened in, with our Supreme Court is really a travesty. I mean, we have an extremist, uh, extremist set of judges now on that court that are rolling back constitutional rights for the first time in, in over half a century. Well, are you concerned that's going to happen in Florida? Because we have a Supreme Court that's pretty conservative now, and they're going to be ruling not only on your case involving the congressional district, but also uh, Florida's privacy amendment, and does it apply to abortion? Well, you know, we have in our state constitution, and again, I'm a lawyer, so forgive me, mm-hmm. but I think these things matter. I think the words in our constitutions matter. You know, we have explicit language protecting Floridians' right to privacy. Mm-hmm. And over the course of decades, the federal courts recognize that there are protections for our privacy in the federal constitution. For the first time in 50 years, the United States Supreme Court took a huge whack at that in overruling Roe versus Wade. And my hope is that we are going to see, because we have this explicit language in our state constitution, that our court is going to say, no, you know, we we have a right to privacy. Floridians put it in our, enshrined it in our state constitution. That protects private decisions like whether a woman is going to terminate her pregnancy, that protects all sorts of private decisions. That's certainly my, my hope. Well, it doesn't say abortion, and apparently you're supposed to be very specific because that's what the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court was saying. doesn't say abortion. must not be a, well, you a, a know, right. And, there, and there's so much wrong with that analysis, and that, that could be a whole other show. Sure. You know, I mean, there are so many rights that are so fundamental to our democracy that are not explicitly mentioned in our United States Constitution, Mm -hmm. but that our courts have found are protected by constitutional provisions because without those protections, our democracy would fall apart. For instance, there is not an explicit right to vote in the United States Constitution. Well, obviously, that's fundamental to Mm -hmm. our democracy, just like this idea that if you don't have the ability as a family to make your own decisions about whether to continue a pregnancy or when to start a family. You know, these are very personal private decisions that I think should have been protected, and it's just outrageous what the court has done. 
So I wonder if uh, the Supreme Court rules uh, in the opposite way you think they rule, and I'm talking about the Florida Supreme Court, whether we'll need an amendment to, like, Vermont voters will be specifically protecting the right to an abortion in their state constitution, and that's going to be on the ballot in November. Yeah, I mean, we're going to see this real checkered approach to these issues around the country, and that's going to be a real, real hardship and create a number of tragic situations for... um, for so many, so many women in this country who are facing these agonizing personal decisions. Well, and that's on that. I, I just, I'm also really worried about elections. What's going to happen with our elections? You saw what happened with the um, uh, just in in 2020. What happened with those elections and the the pressure on secretaries of state and state legislatures to turn the vote right? So. What happens if then they end up having this power and those people get elected into office? It's going to be even worse. They might succeed. Trump, the Trump and his crew might those type of people might succeed next time. Well, there, there's a case that's going to go before the Supreme U.S. Supreme yeah. Court next year, right? And that we talked allow, about that in the opening, North oh, Carolina. We talked about that in the opening, but are you concerned about that case? Yeah. Look, I mean. I'm concerned about all this stuff. I mean, we, <laughs> we, we saw in 2020, and, and you know, I'm sure many of your listeners have been following the very good work that the Congress has been doing in uncovering and laying out for the American people how close we came to having our right. democratic, peaceful transfer of power, right. um, having that dislodged in a way that was a real constitutional crisis by uh, former President Trump. I mean, we, you know, and, and so we're, we're, in, we're in a dangerous moment where we've got to be really, really engaged. Mm-hmm. And there is a tendency now amongst many people I talk to to check out from politics because finding political compromise and finding solutions to the really hard problems that we're facing is hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard. It was designed to be hard. And it is not something that happens overnight. So when you have frustrations with, well, we elected, you know, we elected these people, they haven't done anything on this issue or that issue, there's a tendency for people to say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not even going to bother to vote. And all we do when you make that decision and checking out is hand over the keys um, to the people that are more interested in doing anything to maintain power than doing what's right by the people. Well, I was say, if, if we ever get to the point where state legislatures can pick the electors as they choose our votes in the states where they do that, our votes really will be meaningless if there are states that do that. I mean, that... Well, and that was the great threat to what happened in 2020 is that the, the norms in place that if Floridians vote... You know, if more Floridians vote for Barack Obama than John McCain, our electors that we certify to go to Washington from our state are going to vote for Barack Obama. I mean, those norms were sort of shattered mm-hmm. by by what the president and his cronies and his lawyers were trying to do. Right. And um, and we've got to figure out a way as a nation to put that genie back in the bottle so that the people are making these decisions. Um, I want to take one. Uh, Jerry's on the line again. Jerry, call him back for a second time. I'm glad that you like okay. the show. Call him back. Jerry, what's on your mind? Um, can you hear me okay? Yep. Okay, so I do agree. I think it's 
very difficult situation. I'm not saying it's an easy situation, but I was just curious as to if there was a venue for the children, like the, the kids, like the kids are in the news a lot today, right? They're the victims of these existing circumstances. Is there a venue for the kids to like call in and you know, with their parents consent or whatever permission and voice their opinion and have a document? Oh, that's a great idea. Somebody could pull that together. Like, a- like 10 years and younger, right? Wow. Okay. Is there even okay. paying? That's young. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, they're doing those. They're, 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 they're not, they're scared they're in smart. school. That's for sure. They're smart though. They're smart though. Yeah. Smart. Okay. All right. Thanks, Jerry. Okay, bye. I thought it was interesting that the uh, Illinois governor spoke to Democrats in Florida over the weekend. Uh, <clears throat> he must be running for president. Yeah, well, he didn't say that, obviously, but he, <laughs> he was, he, let me tell you, he gave a fabulous speech, and um, I know you were there, Janet. I I had never heard him speak before, um, the governor of Illinois, J.B. Pritzker, and he really took took the time to to try to make the argument that you know, what the Republicans' game plan is, is to divide us mm-hmm. and to divide America. Mm-hmm. And and they want to take solutions to problems and recharacterize them as weird or woke. And they're hoping, you know, this was sort of his line, but they're hoping that nobody's going to be willing to stand up and say the emperor has no clothes. And he's here to say that the GOP is naked and afraid. <laughs> and, and you know, they, they are. There's a lot of fear about what might happen if all of us, all the people listening to the show, all of our neighbors, all of our friends actually got engaged and started working to organize to vote because, um, you know, they're afraid of workers' rights to uh, bargain and to organize. Um, they're afraid of, you know, ideas to fight inflation by producing more goods in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he just had a litany of examples of, you know, they're afraid of us raising the minimum wage because it might unshackle the working poor mm-hmm. in this country. And, and we have to be willing to call them out. You know, we can't be polite. That was basically his message. I mean, I've, I've spent years trying to build relationships and get things done in a very toxic environment in the Florida legislature. But um, you have to recognize that calling out the truth is not some type of form of incivility. Mm-hmm. There's a way really you can call message. out the truth without calling people names. You know, There's yeah. a way to have the conversation. And all these bills that they've been pushing this session, you know, don't say gay and and um, you know, uh, banning math textbooks and you know these made-up fights that the governor is pursuing—they're all designed to banning divide us. Critical race theory. Yeah, that's they're all designed to divide yeah. us and distract us from the fact that they are really afraid of what might happen if we actually got to work in addressing some of the problems that Floridians are facing. So, are you open to another uh, Democratic nominee other than uh, the president? Somebody like Pritzker attract you? Well, I mean, I want to see us hold the presidency. I support Joe Biden. I supported, you know, I thought he was the right guy to beat Donald Trump. He was the right guy to beat Donald Trump. I think he's got a decision to make as to whether he wants to serve again. And I'm going to wait and see what he decides. I think that we have a number of strong people that would be ready to step up and serve 
and make the case in the event that the president decides he doesn't want to seek a second term. But we'll just have to see what he decides. I've got time for one more call. call. So I've got Carl from Dunedin. Carl, you're on the line. What's on your mind? Hi. Um, great show today. Um, I, I just want to say that underlying all these problems, it's all part of the same thing. It's white racist people wanting minority rule. Mm-hmm. And it's never worked anywhere in the world. It's horrible for business. It's horrible for people. But that's at the core of all these issues. You know, um, the abortion thing, um, the p- police shooting black guys in traffic incidences, the the gun, you know, letting 18-year-olds buy machine guns, it's all part of the same thing. Well, Carl, you're, we've been talking about that, and you're, I'm going to cut you off because we don't have a lot of time, okay. but I wanted to hear that, and what, the, what I'm latching on to what you said is, is the, mi- the minority rule, and I feel like we're getting there more and more we're getting to that point where the people who are representing, theoretically representing us, the people who are our elected officials are less so representing most of the people um, and the viewpoints that are being put forward in our, in our laws are, are not the, what the, reflective of what the majority of Americans think. So what do you think Democrats need to do this, uh, this coming election? Well, we got to organize. We got to get, we got to get our friends and neighbors out to vote and we've got to engage in the argument. We've got to earn people's support by engaging in the in the political debate in a way that shows that we are a party that has ideas that wants to help working people. And what they are trying to do is run extreme candidates that want to distract us, divide us, make us afraid of each other, while not actually working to help with the real problems that we're facing. And again, get engaged. As, as um, Representative Diamond said, the most important thing is to get engaged. The primary election is on August 23rd, and the deadline to register is July 25th. That's Monday. So if you haven't um, registered to vote, do that. Check your voter registration and make sure that there aren't any issues with it. That's an If you're not registered, you can't vote. If you can't vote, you're not going to have a say in what's going on in your government. That's right. Um, well, Representative Diamond, thanks for being with us today. We appreciate it very much. Oh, it was great to see you guys. You look so relaxed in here, you know. It's the dead of summer, and you're in here That's and right. relaxed. And you're, in my I love WMNF in, t-shirt. In your, in your t-shirts. We, we feel your... very fortunate to have a chance to talk to smart people like you. Wow. And um, we'll look forward to having you back on the show if that um, Citizens Initiative gets going. Um, stay tuned for Harrison Nash. He's up next after headlines from NPR News. This is WMNF Tampa. Thanks, guys.